I want to talk to you from Colossians 1 this morning. And that's a beautiful time to dedicate him to the Lord. The season, the time we celebrate and honor King Jesus. But the reality, folks, is that it's not just one day of the year that we're going to give Jesus all honor. We know that. I'm preaching to the choir here. We know this is just a season, the time where the world recognize and they're trying to push this away by all these happy holiday stuff and not actually saying Christmas anymore and it's all these things trying to push away but you know what they can have it all they want and stuff because every day is honoring Jesus my life every day honors the king of all kings not just one little season in the time of the year that we do that so I want to read from verse 13 in Colossians 1 and then we'll kind of go from here so it says from verse 13 it says he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And the heading of the title in the ESV says, the preeminence of Christ, the superiority of Christ. In verse 15 it says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, Visible and visible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. I actually realized I'm going to read this passage at the Christmas carol service next year. Because we read all the sweet ones in Isaiah and the, the prophecy about Jesus coming. We read all about the story of Jesus. But this is the, this is the one commentator says is this section of passage sums up Jesus probably the best out of all the, the letters that Paul wrote. In this little section here, it gives the full picture. And it says, everything was created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. You've got to ponder and just realize what that is. The, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell within him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body, in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Well, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which Paul, I became a minister. Wow, what a powerful section of passage. I'm going to read that in the Passion Translation to you a little later as well. You just get a context of our modern language of us speaks you know the reality with christmas and this time of the year is that the world loved to keep jesus as a baby because just like zion he's unthreatening he doesn't threaten you when you're a baby zion's not he's not threatening us it's when you grow up in stature with favor and god and man that you start living according to your truth and the mandate and here's jesus mandate that he became a threat in a word to the israel nation because he brought the truth. He brought a new covenant. So the world wants to keep him as a baby. We celebrate this time because the power of the supernatural 
kind of uh, virgin birth that took place. You, you, you can't work. You would never have thought and planned it like that in your wildest dreams. But God had a plan that he set an order in place. We do not keep Jesus as the baby. Okay? He is the fullness of God which would dwell in him. Okay? That's who we celebrate. That's who we honor. We acknowledge that this time that the world recognizes who Jesus is and people come to church once a year, it's an opportunity for them to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? As I said earlier, is that Jesus, I think, was the only baby who was a threat because of the prophecies that were spoken about him and why King Herod wanted to do what he did. But something that I'm always amazed about is human behavior how people respond, how people do different things and stuff. So you can take how people behave, the human achievements that people have done, human failure, humans driven by evil acts, human ignorance, human achieving different things. I'm, I'm, always, I'm always amazed what people can achieve and the, the, the spot people get themselves into, like the worst of the worst, good and evil. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm drawn to, don't give me a fantasy book to read, because I can make up enough stories in my head about stuff. I want to read the real deal. I want to watch a documentary about that actually happened. I'm like, wow, it just fascinates me how people behave, how they act here on earth, that they've been given all these things, and how people achieve the most phenomenal things on this planet. That you just think, wow, I was watching something yesterday of people remembering digits. This girl in five minutes could remember 500 three-letter digits in a row and recited them back within five minutes. I'm like, what? That's impossible. No. To her, she's got a structure and a plan. She puts each letter according to each number, according to a letter, makes up a word, and then paints a story as she goes through this line of words. And through the story, she remembers things by memory. And you think, the brain is amazing. God's created us. And you know, we tap into just a small little piece of the ability that we have, not on ourselves, but in and through Christ. Or what he's created us to be. And, I, and as I say, I'm always amazed by the human race, the things we achieve, the things we can do here on this earth. But if you, if you take a look at the world today and the things that are happening around us, it's quite easy to get despondent. Because the realities of what is going on around us is, is there's a lot of evil. There's a lot of wrong going on in the world today. Just there's things that I read a couple of weeks ago, all those nations that are you know, a little thing about a, a fair on, a, a, a tax on WhatsApp and the whole nation starts in uproar and thousands protest. Little things spark things that a nation is in uproar and people are killed and die over protesting. The things that we're experiencing in our own nation, it's challenging. And I drive around sometimes and I think, God, what? What is going on? It can vary. You can, you've got to get real, folks. It's not like we live in this bubble and like, you know, it's everything's fine, don't worry, it's fine. There's trouble out there, man. And you can get despondent because you look at it and you think, how is it going to change? How are things in this nation going to set an order right? How are we going to keep seeing better things come about? And it's always small change. It's not quick, significant things that all of a sudden, oh, now it's fine. It's a slow process of things. You know, if you were growing in the 60s and the 70s and particularly the 80s in this nation and you remember, you look back and you think, no, we have changed. We have progressed and stuff. But there's new challenges that come about new things that come through times and read. Then you, if you read through the book of Leviticus, you will see, it's, if you want a, some spare reading over Christmas, read Leviticus. It's an exciting book. It's, a hard, probably, it's probably the hardest book to read through in the Bible. 
it really, because it's just all these rules and laws. And then you realize, you think, God understood humans. He knew exactly if you murder your wife, or uh, sorry, you murder your husband's, uh, your neighbor or whatever, or you, you, you sleep with your neighbor's wife, and you, all these things in Leviticus. But you see that all happening today. He understood what humans were like. So he gave this book and all these laws, all these rules for people to adhere to. And if you do that, then you must go and do this. And you must go and cleanse yourself. And if you're this, you must stay out of the city for so long. And after that period, then you can come back. And there's a whole process to deal with sin. And to deal with bad thinking. And to deal with the process in people's hearts and lives that got them into a lot of trouble. Who's ever been in trouble? Hello, Dolly. You're all smiling, eh? <laughs> okay, some have been in trouble with their parents. Some have been in trouble with the law. Some have been in trouble at work. Some have been in trouble with your wives. Some of you have been in trouble. Hey, it's not the best place to be because you're guilty. You feel bad. You want to try and rectify it. But God understands. He's not surprised by our behaviors. He really isn't. Because He saw this stuff thousands of thousands of years ago from actually the very first two people he created, it didn't take them long, and they did their own thing and set a story in place of his redemption to us, his re restoration to us. It's the, it's the unfolding of something that we are a part of and stuff. And you, you look at our judicial system. And I was telling Corin earlier on, I, I, I want to do real life. So if I watch programs, I want to watch documentaries about the real deal. So you end up watching a lot of crime documentaries about people that were put in difficult circumstances. And the one happened to be O.J. Simpson versus the people. Now, the whole thing in a judicial system is that you are innocent until proven guilty, right? Right? Okay. But then try and prove someone guilty. You need evidence. You need substantial evidence to prove that you did it. And then if you don't have enough evidence... You can't prove it. Or you take your little bit of evidence and the power that you have as the law, or you get yourself a really good lawyer, like he did, OJ, and he had this, they called it the dream team. And these people, it was clear, I mean, I, mean, I wasn't there, clearly, but 12th of June, 1994, God was watching, saw everything that happened. And so it was clear he was guilty. But what you do is you pay and you get the best lawyers, and they play on other things, and at the end of the day, he's acquitted. Not guilty. But the evidence clearly said, but, but he is. So is that still works out that you are innocent until proven guilty? Essentially it is in the, in the law, how it works out, which is not a, not a best system. But then look at Nelson Mandela. He wasn't guilty, but he was innocent, and he had to try and they put guilt on him. And you are causing this, so they put him in prison. He didn't have a trial, and didn't have a right to do it, under the context of whatever war they called it. And he was a threat to our society. Put him in prison. See, the judicial system on earth is always going to fail us. There's yeah. like one I've watched a guy sat in, years for 18, sat in prison for 18 years and was set free after the whole DNA thing came about and proved he didn't do it. He wasn't the guy. But he spent 18 years in prison. His whole life, from a 20-year-old to a 40-year-old, his, his whole life has been messed up essentially because of a judicial system that failed him. Okay? I won't keep going to this. This stuff intrigues me. But uh, the reality for us in God is that we're all guilty. We're all guilty. And you are guilty until proven innocent, essentially. We're all guilty before the Almighty God. That's why 
Jesus needed to come. That's why he had to come the root of a virgin birth, growing as a child on this earth so that he could experience all the things we've experienced. So who's at school? Who's, who's at school here? Yeah? yeah, I'm looking at you, my girl. Yeah. Did you have some rough times at school maybe? Some difficult things? Maybe friends, it was a bit tough? You've, you've experienced that, eh? Do you know that Jesus was also 11 or 12 years old once? You know, so guys, it's college, Tandeka, university, it's been all plain sailing, eh? It's been easy, no worries, no conflicts, no nothing. It's been challenging, eh? That's right. Jesus was also 21 at one stage. He understands and experiences everything we experience. Because he had to grow up, just like us. You know, his own brothers rejected him. Said, <laughs> big shot now, the Messiah, big name. Prove yourself. Come, if you're going to do it now, John 7 speaks about exactly that passage. The whole point, he came this way that he could now represent the Father to us. But he had to grow up with favor and stature, and that word, he, he grew in strength with the Lord, is a word, kratuya. I explained to you before, the same word was used for John the Baptist, meaning he was empowered to do the task he was given here on earth. The same word has been spoken over you in Corinthians. And says, but you've been empowered to do the task that God has given you here on earth. Whether you're 7, whether you're 11, whether you're 23, whether you're 94. Okay? That's the reason he came. Was that our judicial system here on earth will fail us. The judicial system in heaven, a price had to be paid for somebody to make you innocent. Because you're all guilty. You're all guilty, and the enemy plays on that. Guilty, guilty, guilty. And a lot, of, a lot of today's world that we're dealing with is stuck up in our thinking, our paradigms of thinking. So if you look at TV programs, you look at sitcoms, you look at movies, you look at, at what they are trying to portray, what they are saying out in movies. Now, I don't... I think there are some that do this, but it's not like it's a, a purposeful agenda to get a message across. Okay, so, for example, remember that movie Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters grossed something like 250 million in, over its whole thing that it produced. I never, I've actually never watched that movie. But you know, the, the, the guy explaining of how he wrote that script, his parents and grandparents were all seances and delved into the evil world. And what he wanted to do was bring it out where we can see the whole, give you the round picture of what the supernatural, in a sense, looks like. That was his whole drive behind the movie. And yes, they played on it. And see how subtle, he's not doing it on purpose to show, you know, I'm going to show people that's the demonic and that's out there and the demonic's totally fine and acceptable. It's just his paradigm of thinking. That he, he thought it was totally normal that his parents were engaging with all these occultic practices. And so he made it look normal. For the world to see. So what are sitcoms? What are everyone doing? They're making the context of, of programs that you see is the father's not around. Or if he is around, he's a weak individual. That's the, that's the story. You always see that in movies. The father's the joking guy. He's a mess. Ah, shut up. Sit down. You're worth nothing. And the mother just takes charge. The subtlety of gender stuff in programs and movies. You watch most movies today. There's always someone who's, got a, a, who's struggling with their sexuality. Yeah. LGBTQTYZ, whatever that stuff is. 
It's there. You see it. You all know it. You can see it. Okay? So who, who, what's happening there? Think of other things. Okay? Sex on your first date is a normal thing. All the love stories. What do they do? Oh, it's great. Boom, boom, and they sleep together the first night. Like, whoa, okay. They're making that normal. A promiscuous lifestyle is fine. Live together before you get married. It's totally normal. Revenge is common practice. He killed my wife. I'll be back. <laughs> you see, and it's just, it's, it's just subtle. It's just, you see, ask Ella. Every movie we watch, I give her a little rundown afterwards exactly what they're trying to tell you here. Yeah. They're trying to sell you a message here. It's just very gentle. It's very subtle. So revenge is a thing. Okay? And what others think before we make a decision, everything's always politically correct. Just make it so everyone's, everyone, you guys, you group, okay? You group, okay? Okay, everyone's fine. Okay, let's go now forward because we've heard everybody and it's all peaceable together. Okay? Look at the movies in the last 30 years about the supernatural. About Superman. Superman being the big one that started in the 70s. And this ability for a human to have so much power. And look at all the movies today. Look at all the movies today about people with power beyond their own ability. The supernatural. Okay, so what's happening here? Is you've got, it's not, I'm going to say, it's not purposefully like, you know what we're going to do is we are going in the movies, we are going to make sure that people embrace the gay lifestyle and we are going to constantly push that in. We're going to constantly, it's not a purposeful agenda. It's their paradigm of thinking. It's just the way they think. It's their understanding of what is acceptable and what is right because it's off the bias of Jesus Christ. So it becomes a normal, natural thing in society. That's why we need to have discernment between good and evil. For the mature, Hebrews 5, for the mature have the powers of discernment to distinguish between good and evil. You can't just watch stuff and go, oh, oh, that's amazing. Look through, look behind. Mm, Interesting message they're trying to portray there. I see right through you. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to tell me something that that's totally acceptable. It's totally acceptable to live like that. That's That's what's happening to us. Because the reality is, you see, the kingdom you access is the kingdom you value. Okay, so if you, you've, you access the kingdoms of this world, that's the one you value, your whole lifestyle, everything you do from being able to make movies, to write books, to be able to run coffee shops, to do everything you do is from a paradigm of that kingdom and that thinking. It's not like you're trying hard, it's just what you are and what you understand. So you see, you realize how subtle it is. I'll show you something now that the world hasn't changed. In 2,000 years since Paul wrote these words down. This is a good one. In Galatians 5. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinders Him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incomparable and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer live under the dominion of the law by soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Now listen to these things. This is 2,000 years ago. The world hasn't changed. Sin is sin. 
The wrong things, evil is evil. Sexual immorality, immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography. This is the Bible in the Passion Translation. Chasing after things instead of God. Idols. Manipulating others. We've seen our government do that fairly well. Hatred of those who get in your way. Wow. Sure, it was 2,000 years. It's still the same today. Hmm. Senseless arguments. There's a lot of talk shows on TV that waste people's time. Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums. Have you ever seen a temper tantrum from an adult? Not a two-year-old in the store rolling around on the floor because he wants that car or the suite. I've seen adults give temper tantrums. Angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. Today, the biggest addiction in this world is our thinking. I'm right. You can't tell me I'm wrong. I'm right. My opinion stands. Bless Facebook, Instagram. There it all is, folks. Being envious of the blessings of others. Basically, jealousy. Murder. Uncontrolled addictions. Wild parties. And all other similar behavior. It doesn't sound old times that, hey? That sounds pretty relevant <laughs> to the world we live in. Read Leviticus. Does God know and understand the human being? Yes, He does. That's why Jesus had to come and set a new order in place. And now we understand the power of setting down the self-indulgence of the flesh and choosing the spirit, sorry, I don't know what's wrong with this thing, Choosing the spirit life of the freedom we now have in Christ. Not dominated by worldly thinking. Not dominated by worldly paradigms that subtly try and teach you and tell you a certain way of thinking. But it's based upon the truth of the word of God. Who is Jesus. Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And as the message says, moved through the streets. <laughs> we moved into the neighborhood. Very powerful. I won't read the others. Maybe I should read those. Um, haven't I already warned you of those who use their freedom for the things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its valid expressions. Now re listen to these. We all know love, peace, joy. Listen to this. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Wow. Amen to that. Amen. You guys are sitting in a bit of shock. I was like, this is not a Christmas message, Sheldon. Okay. Well, what is a Christmas message? It's Jesus. So this is Jesus. Okay. So we live in a kingdom of peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And what we put our hands to should express the values and the principles of our kingdom in everything that we do. Not being tainted, not being manipulated, not being forced, not being shaped by the paradigms of this worldly thinking. That does I say to you now, you look in the movies, how subtle it is that it's just moved in. And there were people with agendas to set things in place that started books in the 1950s and 60s now seeing that order of humanistic thinking and new age become a real thing. But I can't remember her name. It's Daisy or someone like that wrote a book. 
and it set an order of a way of thinking that is now prevalated into our society for today. Subtle, but effective. Okay? Here's the thing, when we live with a godly paradigm of thinking, is that we don't compromise. We don't compromise with another way of living. We stand firm on the truth of the Word of God. If compromise gets you in prison, there's the price you pay. There's the reality. If, if compromise gets you out of favor at work, sorry, if compromise, yes, compromise puts you out of favor at work, so be it. God is your provider. He will provide. You do not compromise for gain. You stand truth according to the word of God that has been placed in your heart. And here's the challenge. When the rubber hits the road and you've got to stand against the truth and the understanding of what God has laid upon you, that's where the test is, whether you compromise or not. It's knowing that opposition will come. The church is, there's a lot of opposition for the church. We don't fully see it all. But there's groups of people that are standing for us in court, fighting for us, for the, the values of, of um, the, the, the whole sexual education thing within schools, the uh, discipline of our children, the, the standing of things. There are some big legal things on the go, but we don't face it every day. It's the people in your environment where you face these things, you have to stand firm and not compromise because their opposition will come. And it's not firm beating up opposition all the time, it's rejection. It's just out of favor. I don't like you. Okay, well then I like me. I'm loved by him. I don't have to be loved by you. I'm, I'm secure in who I am. See, and the, the thing is, we think about the disciples. When they stood before the Sanhedrin in Acts 4 that I preached a couple of weeks ago, and it says that they were uneducated, ordinary men. I love that, because it puts us all into a category of, it's not your academics that makes anything here. But they seen that they'd been with Jesus. But they weren't compromising. They weren't eloquent in all that to say, because he said, I'll give you what to say when you come in, in front of these people. There's the test. You don't stand in front of those environments and go, oh, and now what? Uh, uh, what I say? And you second guess yourself. If you second guess yourself at that point, you're lost. You have to be secure and firm in what you believe. And you're going to speak it with conviction of heart and truth. No, no, I stand for this. I'm not going to partake in that. What do you mean? No, I don't agree that that way of doing business is the right way. We'll stand with the truth of this understanding. I'm not going to argue about it, but I, won't, I, won't, I will not compromise and go with you on that. Oh, okay. And here's the thing too, is that when we are faced with those circumstances in our own life, who are the people on the sidelines? The church looking back, judging, going, oh, look, <laughs> look, look, at the, look at the position they found themselves in. Whoa, I wonder what they did to get themselves in this trouble. We can't second guess each other. We have to be one in heart and one in mind. So if these things come about, we stand up to the reality of the truth of these, like we understand what you're standing for, we're with you, we support you. It's crucial. If we're going to fight and attack one another, that's why the church is ineffective. Yeah. Because we're beating each other up before we actually take on anybody else. I think I'm preaching truth here today. So from this passage today, okay, we see that Jesus, there's three things that we can see in this thing. He's the Savior, He's the Creator, and He's the Head of the church. Yeah. So now we backed up a little bit in understanding the times that we live in. 
and the understanding of things that we're living with in our day and age is not very different to the evil that took place in 2,000 years because evil is evil. It's the playing out of how it looks and the subtlety of how the enemy tries to influence us and pull us back and to help us to compromise and to choose other things over the one thing, Jesus Christ. And the greatest problem that we have on earth, as I say, is still the same, is sin. Steve preached here last year when Evan said that big question, but a God of love, how could he allow all these things like happening on this earth to happen? Because <laughs> there's sin, and people choose their own selfish ways, and it creates trouble for nations. It creates troubles for families. It creates troubles in many circumstances. And the reality is, you see, philosophy or religious teaching cannot save you. Cannot save you. You can argue and philosophize about all these things. It's not saving you. Okay? He delivered us, meaning he rescued us from danger. The guilt and penalty of sin, only he could pay for. He transported us, meaning he's taken us from the kingdom of darkness and placed us into the kingdom of light. He released us, meaning He's released us as prisoners from paying the ransom we couldn't pay ourselves. And He has forgiven us, meaning He's canceled all the debt against your name. Satan wants to remind you of the debt, but you keep reminding him that you are free. Amen. The debt has been paid. Amen? Amen? He's our Savior. He's the Creator, the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. Image means the exact representation and revelation of the Father. When you stand in the mirror, that mirror don't lie. It's you. It's the exact representation. And the older you get, the harder it gets maybe, hey? But you don't remember it. It it's, 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 it's slowly fades. You don't see the marked difference. It's only you look at a photograph and think, good grief, I was thin back then, eh? But he's the exact representation. Of the Father for us. If you want to see the Father, he says, look to me. John 14. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay? He's the firstborn, meaning he's the priority of all creation. He was not created. He's eternal. He has been for always. All things exist for him. Meaning everything exists in him, for him, and through him. And he holds all things together from matter. If you, and they've tested them, look into a microscope, and they go further and further, and the particles of atoms, and, the, and there's a space in between. And they go, what's that space in between? Oh, we don't know. Because he holds all things together. It's him. He is in all, in everything, through everything. That's our God. He is the head of the church, the body of all believers. The Bible depicts us as an army, as a body, as the bride. And the Greek for head means source origin or leader you can't have a body without a head he is the head this jesus that we celebrate now is the head of our church the church over all things in 1893 the world's columbian exposition where 21 million people came to visit exhibitions in chicago and one of the exhibitions they put on there was World Parliament of Religions. This is 1893. Now there's a man by the name of D.L. Moody who lived in Chicago. And he was a radical evangelist for the kingdom of God. And uh, he saw this as an opportunity 
to share the good news of Jesus. So he hired halls and circus tents and all sorts of stuff. His friends said, you need to attack these guys. You need to get under, attack the parliament world of religions. And this is his answer to them. In, in his words, he said, no, no, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make Jesus so attractive that men will turn to him. You don't have to fight all these other philosophies and theories and stuff that are out there. Your life is the representation of Jesus because he's in and through you. And if you want people to see Jesus, you need to be attractive to the world. And he preached Jesus that was so attractive, thousands got saved at that exhibition that took place there. Because Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. We as the church represent this King Jesus who we celebrate in the season now. We celebrate, we are his ambassadors here on earth. See, Christ is the fullness of God. The fullness of God was placed in God to dwell in Him. So philosophy, meaning rational arguments and thinking based on values and principles of nature, physics, and behavior, that stuff you can argue till the cows come home, it's all rooted in Jesus. Okay? Psychology, the mental and emotional behaviors, processes in peoples and groups are not wrong, but it won't save you. You can sit with a counselor for years, it won't change you. The power of the Holy Spirit that works in and through you will bring you life. Because talking to a, a psychologist will not break the bonds and the chains of the enemy. You just give them a definition. You give them a, an understanding of something. Oh, now I understand. There's, look here, I get, there's nothing wrong with this. I get this stuff. But only the power of Jesus will break the bonds of the enemy over your life. And that's who we celebrate. See, you, the, the, that whole psychology thing is very soulish. It, it hangs in this, your soul's made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your will can be, oh, just have a stronger will. It doesn't save you. Have a deeper way of thinking. You're in touch with all your thoughts. It won't save you. I'm in touch with my emotions. I'm always calm and collected. I'm in touch. It doesn't save you. <laughs> You'd probably just be annoying to hang around. Because you're always in touch. Oh, Lord. Theology, he's not a theology compressed to a book to give you rational inquiries and answers about something. He's not a religion. He's the living God. Now I'm going to read you the Passion Translation of Colossians 1. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, and the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen, all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all His fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of His cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to Him, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. He is not crowned Lord of all. If He is not crowned Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. That line there, 
back to its original intent. Restored, restored to innocence again. I want to declare over you, you are not guilty. You're not guilty. I'll go home and watch some crime drama tonight and there's a whole lot of people that are guilty and fighting to be not guilty. They can fight the judicial lawyer on earth as much as they can. But it's one day when you stand before the Almighty. And today you can feel that in your heart, I'm not guilty because you have been restored back to innocence. Look at a five-year-old. They're innocent. That's why a four-year-old and a five-year-old can bath together, a boy and a girl, and no one even worries because they're innocent. As you grow up, you start losing that innocence because you start understanding what's happening around you. He has restored you back to innocence. Just like it was with Adam and Eve in the garden. That's why Jesus came. Not that we can cuddle around a manger and see how beautiful and sweet this baby is. Because he's not a baby anymore. He's the risen, resurrected Christ. That the world needs to hear the truth of, our of, our, of the revelation of Jesus, our King. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come, let's stand together and we can pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord Jesus, we glorify you. We thank you, Lord, that the truth over us here this morning in our own hearts is that I'm not guilty because of what you have done by coming to this earth as a young baby and a child growing up, growing in favor with both your God and people here on earth, Lord Jesus, you set a new order in place. And we thank you, Lord, that we are now partakers of this new covenant that you've given us, this new order that you've set in place for us, that you came and that we might be reconciled to you, we might be redeemed in you, we are forgiven by you, we are made innocent again in your presence. Just let that sink in, folks. You are innocent. And I know this time of the year, sometimes people feel guilty because your, your rhythms are out and you feel like, oh, I'm not, doing, I'm not doing enough. Relax. Relax. Set your heart and affection to the Almighty. Just love on Him. Just talk to Him during the day because He sees you as innocent. <laughs> he paid a price for you that you can come as innocent children knowing you're not guilty. Jesus, we glorify you. May the world know the truth of this love that you have given us, that you've set us free from the law of sin and death, and you have given us life by your Spirit. Jesus, be glorified. Be glorified. And God's people shouted, Amen! Amen.